walk today. It was so bad. No, no, grateful for my brother preaching what the Lord has given, and uh, we need it. That's why, like he said, like he said, uh, it's revival. This isn't Bible study, and so I'm thankful for that and for what he's given and for what the Lord's done this week. Uh, so tonight, just a quick reminder, uh, don't forget, this is for love offering this week, so just drop it off in our regular giving boxes, and everything is going to go straight to him. And uh, we do appreciate that, and I know he certainly um, has been a blessing to us. We want to make sure that we're a blessing to him. And uh, then as well, too, just to sort of put a bug in your ear, be praying for him uh, this Friday morning. I'll be driving him down. That's why you need to pray for him, down to Charlotte. Uh, his plane ride back to Arkansas is going to be smooth. It's that van drive down to Charlotte that he's got to worry about because uh, I'm driving, but no. Uh, but be praying for, for him as he's traveling and getting back and, and things. And so we are grateful that he was able to take time and to be with us this week. But let's go ahead and jump into it tonight. Let's pray. Pray that the Lord would meet with us tonight and that he would give us what we need tonight from his word. And then we're going to sing and worship the Lord tonight. And let's sing from our hearts and let's praise God who is worthy. Uh, let us pray. Lord, we love you. We want to thank you for this night, God. We thank you for the past couple of nights we've been able to uh, take uh, time aside from our life and, and our schedule, Lord. And though we're, though we're tired physically, Lord, we thank you for the, the, the spiritual strength and encouragement that you've given Thank you for the hard messages as well, Lord, but uh, they've been encouraging, Lord, because we're reminded that your word remains truthful and that your word remains powerful enough to change us from the inside out. And we pray, God, that tonight we would have the same exact thing, Lord, that we would uh, hear the word of God preached, that your spirit would apply it to our hearts, and, Lord, that we would have eyes that would see Christ, that we would have ears that would be open to your word and hearts that would believe. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with uh, our dear brother tonight as he comes and he preaches. Uh, uplift him, encourage him, strengthen him, fill him with your spirit. And, and Lord, I pray just for liberty and freedom just to preach your word tonight. God, help us now as we, as we stand here in just a moment to sing. Lord, help us to do so with hearts that desire nothing more than just to praise you and to glorify you and honor you. And I pray that tonight that everything that would be said and done uh, would glorify you. And, and Lord, that uh, this week would not just be something that would be a busy week or something just to make sure we get through on our schedule or our calendar of church, but Lord, that we would make sure that we uh, come to, to seek you and that uh, we would know and rest assured that that as we draw near to you, you draw near to us, and Lord, that we could leave here truly changed, and that we might see personal change in our own life, and Lord, so that we might see real revival in our church, and our community uh, that so desperately needs it. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this time, and watch over us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, good evening. If you're able, please stand. Turn to hymn number 311. 311, hallelujah, what a savior, boy, what a great song, oh, it ain't as uh, upbeat and, and peppy as sometimes our old flesh likes, but it has a amazing, tremendous, edifying, glorifying message in it, hallelujah, what a savior, we know that this is indeed the Christ, the savior of the world. John 4:42. We'll sing all five verses. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah! What a say. Yes. 
526, the solid rock, other foundation can no man lay than Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.11, he is the only foundation, the solid foundation, and he is the only way. As we sing all four verses. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veiled his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. 
list to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. Please be seated. We have a special now. I was almost ready to turn it over to the preacher, Anna. Out of sorts tonight. Come on, Miss Ann. Pour your heart out to the Lord. Though you've heard this 
for days make this moment more than just empty words i say let it be a start to know the fullness of my father's If we would just start resisting and let the Lord have His way in our lives. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4 tonight. Philippians chapter number 4. And thank you for being back on a Wednesday night. And this feels a little bit more normal, doesn't it? Kind of feels weird to be in church on a Monday night and a Tuesday night. Uh, but we're used to being here on a Sunday and a Wednesday. So I appreciate your faithfulness to be back again tonight. And we've had a good, oh, I can't speak for you, but I'll speak for myself. I've enjoyed myself this week, amen. And I trust that you've enjoyed the services and have been helped by God's Word. And I've enjoyed the fellowship before the services and after the services and getting reacquainted for some of you and meeting some of you for the very first time. And so thank you, thank you for being faithful here tonight. And we got one more night to go. So if you're able to, join us back again tomorrow night. And let's have a strong close and we'll finish this thing out. And so trust you had a good day. I sure enjoyed myself today with Brother Joe. And we just ran around and spent some time together and just fellowship. And I appreciate his friendship to me. And I've just enjoyed my time here in Hillsville uh, with you. And each fall, we've had the opportunity for the past several years uh, to come out to the east, uh, out in the east, uh, to the Virginias and the Carolinas. And last year, we were out this direction. We were down in the Carolinas and heard about a mountain church. And it was a church made up primarily of poor people. And one day, a lady walked into the service. She was a first-time guest. No one knew who she was. Uh, she walked into the service, and when they passed the offering plate, she put a $100 bill into the plate, and the church was just blown away. Uh, the church was made primarily up of poor people, so uh, most of the time they got nickels and dimes. Every once in a while, uh, someone would put a dollar bill in, uh, but when she put a $100 bill in, they were just overwhelmed by that. In fact, the uh, uh, pastor was so overwhelmed, he stood up and said, man, we're so grateful for your gift uh, that we want to invite you to stand up and peck out any hymn that you would like. Well, she stood up, laid her eyes on a gentleman, and said, I'll take him. And, uh, well, sometimes uh, we can be a little unclear in church, can't we? Uh, but I pray that would not be the case tonight. I want to preach with simplicity and clarity and, most importantly, uh, anointing. And, boy, this week, on Monday night, we dealt with revival in the home. Uh, last night, we dealt with revival in the heart. And tonight, we're going to deal with revival in our heads. 
And how many knows in the Christian life the battle is won and, or lost in the mind? How many knows that? And we're going to deal with that tonight, uh, just a very practical, uh, just a very needful message. And so I hope that it'll be a help, because it is a help to me, and one that I return to often. I run to these two verses, and these are some of my go-to verses in the Christian life and in the Word of God. And I want to share them with you tonight, and I trust that they'll be a help and a blessing uh, to you in your Christian life and in your Christian journey. And I want to preach on the subject of prayer tonight. And I heard a, a man say one time, I've never heard a message on prayer that I didn't need. And I had to say amen to that. And I hope that'll be the case for you uh, tonight. My heart is to, to be a help to you tonight. I want to minister to you. I want to help you and point you to the Word of God. I love the book of Philippians. And you think about it. Here's a man in prison who writes a letter to a church. And the theme of the letter is joy. And can I tell you something tonight? Uh, you can have joy in spite of your circumstances. Amen? And based on your relationship with God, your circumstances may stink, but you can have joy because of your relationship with the Lord. We can't always rejoice in our jobs, can't always rejoice in our finances, can't always rejoice in our families, uh, but we can always rejoice in the Lord. And that is the theme of the book of Philippians. So Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 6 and 7, these would be familiar verses. In fact, as I read them, you'll probably quote them aloud tonight in your heart and mind because you know these verses. So I want to remind you of the truths that are here uh, that we need to apply to our hearts and lives tonight. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6, the Apostle Paul says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Father, would you lift these truths off the pages of your word, and Lord, apply them to our hearts. Help us tonight to be hearers of the word, and not just do, uh, to be doers and not just hearers. Lord, we need you tonight. And I pray as I speak on the outside, you will speak on the inside. Give us what we need tonight. Meet the spiritual needs that are represented in this auditorium. And Lord, I even pray that you would speak to us tonight like we were the only persons sitting here in this room this evening. I pray it would be that intimate. It would be that personal. It would be that real. Meet the spiritual needs in Jesus' name. Amen. R.C. Trench was the Archbishop of Dublin. He lived with a morbid fear that one day he would become paralyzed. One night he was sitting next to a woman at a banquet and she heard him muttering these mournful words. He said, it's happened. It's happened. It's finally happened. I lost all feeling in my right leg. She turned to him and said, Sir, it may comfort you to know that is my leg you are pinching. And, uh, boy, some people need to chill out. Would you agree with that tonight? According to the Anxiety Center, 18.1% of adults in America are affected by an anxiety disorder. That's approximately 40 million people between the ages of 18 to 54. A study published in the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry reported that anxiety, anxiety disorders cost the U.S. more than $42 billion a year. 
65% of North Americans take prescription medications daily. 43% take mood-altering prescriptions uh, daily. Now listen to me very closely. If you have a, a serious mental health struggle, then you need to seek out the uh, medical attention and professional help that you need. Amen? I am not talking about deep mental health issues tonight. What I want to talk to you tonight about is just the everyday nagging worries and anxieties that we all deal with. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. Not deep mental health issues, but just the day-to-day -day worries that nag us and gnaw on our hearts and minds uh, day by day. How many of ever, maybe perhaps you've been in Hobby Lobby and you see maybe a sign or perhaps you've been on social media and somebody shared maybe a, a graphic or a post that said this, I'm just too blessed to be stressed. How many's heard that before? Uh, it's a bumper sticker sometimes. I'm just too blessed to be stressed. But can I say tonight, if most of us were honest, we would have to say the reality is I'm not too blessed to be stressed. The problem is I'm too stressed to be blessed. Tonight I want to preach on this subject. Chill out. Chill out. You say, preacher, I'm worried. I'm anxious. I've been tossing and turning. I've been, I've been pulling my hair out over this situation. Tonight, I am worried about something. Well, I got good news tonight. You've come to the right place. Because in Philippians chapter 4, we find the biblical response to worry. Tonight, I want to preach on this subject, chill out. I'm going to give you a three-point outline tonight, and each point is just one word. And I pray the Holy Spirit would take these words, these three words, and sear them on our hearts and minds, and these three words would anchor us to the truth that is found in these two verses in Philippians chapter 4. Number one tonight, here's the, here's the biblical response to worry. First of all, God tells us we need to cease. That's the first C word tonight. We need to cease. In verse number 6, the Bible says, Be careful for nothing. In verse 6, Paul gives the Philippians a cease and desist order. A careful means to be full of care. It means to be anxious. It means to be worried. And Paul commands them in verse 6 to not worry about anything. Now, if anybody should have been worried, it should have been the Apostle Paul. And if you understand the background of this letter, you know that Paul was detained. He was in prison. He was in jail. He was not only detained, but he's also facing the possibility that he could very well lose his own life. And so he's facing death. And on top of all of that, there is a, a division taking place in the church between two individuals. In fact, chapter 4, verse number 2 says, I beseech Eudeus and beseech Synthache that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And these two individuals were at odds with one another. You say, what were those two men fighting about? Those were not two men. Those were two women. There was a cat fight in the church at Philippi, and it was threatening to cause a division in the entire church. And so if anybody had a reason to be worried, it should have been the Apostle Paul. But the Apostle Paul was the one who, from prison and facing death, was the one who wrote them a letter explaining how they could have victory over worry. And verse number 6, Paul says, Do not worry about anything. Be careful for nothing. And I find from the text tonight, there's two reasons why you and I should not worry. Number one, I find from really just the meaning from the word careful. First of all, the first reason you and I should not worry tonight is because worry is destructive. 
Worry is destructive. The word worry comes from a, a word which means to strangle and to choke. And if you've ever struggled with worry and anxiety, then you know tonight that is an accurate definition of the word. It's exactly what worry will do to you. A worry will choke the life out of today. Worry strangles the hope out of tomorrow. Worry drains the joy out of life. Worry twists our thinking. Worry injures our outlook. Worry attacks the nervous system. In fact, the word anxious literally means to be pulled in opposite directions. And there's going to be times in your life, and maybe just here's a practical uh, application tonight. There may be somebody that you work with or some family member or neighbor, and God begins to work in your heart and give the, uh, you a burden for them, and, and God begins to lead you to share the gospel with them. And by faith, you get ready to step out and, and strike up the conversation and interject the gospel, but about the time you the gospel gets ready to come out of your mouth, all of a sudden, fear latches hold of you and the devil begins to say what if they reject you what if they ask you a question you don't have the answer to what if they think you're crazy and they never talk to you again and all of a sudden, the, uh, faith is pulling us in one direction, uh, but fear is pulling us in the other direction, and it feels like we're going to be pulled in opposite directions. Have you ever experienced that? We all have. It means to be pulled in opposite directions. Uh, the following is a list of the most common side effects of worry. Feeling nervous, tense, and fearful, restlessness, panic attacks, a rapid heart rate, a fast breathing, hyperventilation, sweating, shaking, fatigue, a weakness, dizziness, a difficulty concentrating, a sleep problems, a nausea, a digestive issues, feeling too hot, a feeling too cold, a chest pain. You say, what are you, a medical doctor? No, but a I brought one with me tonight. Charles Mayo, co-founder of the Mayo Clinic, made the observation that worry adversely affects the circulatory system, the heart, the glands, and the entire nervous system. In the medical journal American Mercury, Mary, uh, Mayo said he never knew of anyone who died of overwork, but he knew many who died of worry. Listen to me. Worry will kill you. And some of you tonight, you have ulcers. You can't get to sleep at night. Some of you, your hair's turning gray. Some of you, your hair's turning loose. I mean, come on now. Worry is going to send you to the grave. Worry is destructive. Well, sometimes we sit around, we worry about our finances, and we worry about our kids, and worry about our marriage, and worry about our job. And sometimes, if you're like me, you begin to worry about the what-ifs of life. Well, what if the doctor calls me and he... And he tells me it is the, it's the C word. What, what if something happens to my spouse? Not too long ago, my wife and I were having the just natural conversations that every married couple and family has to have. And what if something happens to you? And what if something happens to me? And we got all that taken care of and life insurance and whatnot. But then we got to the point in the conversation, what if something happens to both of us? What's going to happen to Kylie? And all of a sudden, we got to that point in the conversation and got real heavy. In fact, I had to say, time out. Time out. And boy, sometimes it's the what-ifs of life that can begin to overwhelm us. Can I help you tonight? If you go through, a, through a, just a, a dark valley in your life, can I tell you, God will give you the grace in the hour that you need it. How many believes that? How many believes in dying grace? You believe in that? 
And if you sit around your entire life and worry about getting cancer, or worry about losing a spouse, or worry about this, and worry about that, you're going to suffer from those things without experiencing the grace that God has provided for you if you actually go through those things. God will give you grace in the hour that you need it. But if you sit around and worry about those things, uh, the potential of those things happening, you are suffering without the grace that God has in store for you if he allows you to go through uh, those, uh, those dark valleys of your life. Number one, the first reason you and I should not worry is because physically it's destructive. But number two, we see this tonight, not only is it destructive, but number two, worry is disobedience. Worry is destructive, but worry is also a disobedience. There are two primary passages in the Bible that deal with worry. One is Philippians chapter 4, and the other is Matthew chapter 6. Philippians 4 tells us how not to worry. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 tells us why not to worry. In fact, you know Matthew chapter 6. It's the chapter that says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew 6, 33. How many knows that verse? But prior to that verse, leading up to that verse Jesus says three times in that passage I take no thought I take no thought I take no thought in other words in 2022 we would say do not worry I do not worry I do not worry if God commands you and I to not worry and you and I continue worrying listen to me that's disobedience you say, well, preacher, you, you just don't understand me. You say, if you knew my mama, you would understand why I worry. My mother was a worrier. I mean, from the time she got up in the morning to the time she went to bed, she worried about this and worried about us and worried about her family. I mean, she just worried, worried, worried her entire life. And it must, it must be a, a hereditary because now I do it too. I just got it from my mama. She passed it on down to me. A preacher, you don't understand. It just, it just runs in our family. Preacher, it's just a weakness of ours. No, listen to me. Worry is not a weakness worry is wickedness listen to me worry is a sin you say I, I don't I, it's just it's just worry it's not that big a deal is it is it not a big deal here's what you're doing when you worry when you begin to worry about whatever it is in your life you worry about here's what you're saying to the lord lord i don't think you're big enough to handle this Lord, I don't think you're strong enough to deal with this. Lord, I don't know if you really love me. I don't know if I'm, uh, this, uh, this need of my life is going to get provided for because I don't know if you care about me. I don't know if you love me. Worry is an insult to God. And boy, when you and I begin to understand it in that way, all of a sudden worry is a big deal. Friend, worry is a sin. I love, the, uh, I love that passage in Matthew chapter 6. It talks about how God takes care of the birds. And he says, look at the birds. Uh, their needs are met every day. God says, I take care of them. And if I'm going to take care of them, I'm going to take care of you. I'm, uh, this may shock you, but I'm an old soul. Amen? And my pastor says, son, you are a young man in an old man's body. Or an old man in a young man's body. And so one of my favorite hobbies is, is to watch the birds. Amen? And I feed the birds. And so we just moved to, uh, to Batesville and got our feeders put up. And our, our, where we live backs up right up against the woods. And usually when you put the bird feeders out, it takes a few days for them to find it. Uh, but eventually they did. And uh, we've had some good ones. We have uh, Carolina chickadees and uh, Carolina 
wren. We had a, a white-breasted nuthatch the other day. We have uh, downy woodpeckers and eastern bluebirds. You say, you're really into that. Yeah, I kind of am. And so, uh, and I enjoy feeding the birds. But can I say this? If I'm ever out of town and I'm not there to feed them, somebody else will. And if God's going to take that much care to provide for the birds, mark it down, he's going to take care of you as well. In fact, I love what one preacher said. He said, I have one preacher that I love better than any other on earth. It is my little tame Robin who preaches to me daily. I put some crumbs upon my windowsill, especially at night. He hops onto the windowsill when he wants his supply and takes as much as he desires to satisfy his need. From thence, he always hops to a little tree close by, lifts up his voice to God, and sings his carol of praise of gratitude, then tucks his he uh, little head under his wing goes fast asleep and leaves tomorrow to care for itself. He is the best preacher that I have on earth. But when you start worrying, won't you just stick your head out the window and watch the birds and let the birds preach a message to you. God will take care of you. Number one, when you and I begin to worry, we need to recognize, hey, this is destructive and this is disobedience. I need to cease. I need to stop. Number two, notice this. Not only does he say cease, but number two, he says come. He says come. It goes on to say in verse number uh, six, uh, be careful for nothing but. Boy, don't, aren't you glad that it doesn't stop there? Aren't you glad Paul did not just say, don't worry. Don't worry about anything. Boy, that would have ranked as one of the easiest verses to preach and one of the hardest to live. Amen. Aren't you glad he did not stop there? But he goes on to say, but, as, and in other words, he's saying, hey, there's a better way to live your life. There's a better way to live day by day. There's a better way to respond to the problems that you face in your life. And he goes on to say, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Paul commands the Philippians not to worry, but he doesn't stop there. He proceeds to instruct them on how to win the battle against worry. And the answer for anxiety, the cure for worry is prayer. Listen to me. If you don't have a prayer life, you're going to struggle as a Christian. I said, if you don't have a prayer life, you're going to struggle as a Christian. And here's what Paul is saying. Now, normally, I don't like those little hobby, not, not to offend anybody, I don't really care for those Hobby Lobby signs. And some of them are, are, sound good, but they're not always biblical, are they? But can I tell you, the one sign at Hobby Lobby that says, or whatever bumper sticker, whatever you see that, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Can I tell you, I like that one because it's based on the Bible. That is a summary of Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6. He says, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. But Paul doesn't just say pray about it. He goes on to give us three specific words to teach us the, 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 describe the kind of praying that is required to defeat worry. And here Paul invites you and I into the presence of God. Notice the very first word he gives for praying here in verse number 6. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. That word prayer carries the idea of adoration, a devotion, or we would say the word worship. And whenever you and I find ourselves overwhelmed with worry, our first action should be to get alone and worship God. Paul is saying, stop dwelling on your problems and start dwelling in His presence. 
You say, preacher, when I'm sitting here uh, tossing and turning and pulling my hair out over a situation, uh, you're telling me that I I need to start worshiping? I didn't say it. God said it. You say, I don't understand. In the early days of aviation, a man was trying, attempting to fly around the world, and he took off from the land, and he flew about two hours over the water, and he, he heard some, what sounded like some gnawing back behind his head, back in the back of the plane. And uh, he realized there was a rat on that plane and began gnawing and chewing on the cables and wires. All of a sudden, he began to sweat. He already he was already two hours away from the from land. He had about two more hours to go before he could even land. And all of a sudden, he began to panic. He started to sweat. Uh, then he realized, wait a second, this is a rat, and the rats were not made for the altitudes. And so he took that plane up a thousand feet, another thousand feet, another thousand feet, until finally he got high enough, and he, he listened back again, and no longer heard the sounds of gnawing and chewing. He finally uh, was able to land the plane, and when he got out, he inspected the plane, and sure enough, there was that dead rat in the back of that airplane. Listen to me, the rats were not made for the altitudes. And in the same way, your worry cannot survive in the secret place of the Most High. In other words, here's what I'm saying, worship is a worry killer. I said worship is is a worry killer. Listen, you experience this three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night when you come to church here. Boy, you come in on a Wednesday night just like tonight, and man, you're carrying burdens, and you've got uh, distractions, and you got cares. It's, like you, it's almost like you picked up a heavy backpack this morning when you left the house, and you've carried it all day long, and you come into church with it, and it is weighing you down. Have you experienced that? But boy, you come to church, and boy, for the first 5, 10, 12 minutes, man, we're singing hymns. And as we sing together, boy, about, about 10 minutes into it, all of a sudden I feel a whole lot better than I did when I walked into the doors. Why? Because while I'm singing and I'm worshiping, I'm getting my eyes off of my problems and I'm getting my eyes back on the Lord. And I'm telling you, that ought to be the pattern in our lives, not just in church in the first 15 minutes of the service, but every day in our prayer lives. When I'm, when I'm eaten up with worry, here's what God says I need to do. I need to sit down. I need to get real quiet and real still. And listen to me, the challenge, it's hard enough to get quiet on the outside. The real challenge is getting quiet on the inside. And I need to get alone. And I just need to have a time of worship. God, thank you for being my father. Lord, you're the one who spoke this entire universe into existence with just the power of your word. Father, you were the one who split the Red Sea. You were the one who uh, caused the blind eyes to see and the deaf ears to, to hear. You raised dead people back to life. Lord, I think of that verse, that nothing is too hard for you. Lord, thank you that you are, you are powerful Lord, you are strong. You can do anything. Father, I thank you that you love me and your love never fails. I thank you that you, you never allow anything into my life. No, no, nothing comes into my life unless you allow it. Everything that comes into my life is Father filter. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring. For, listen to me. What is that? That's just a time of worship. And as I sit there and worship the Lord, I'm getting my eyes off of my problems and I'm getting my eyes on Him. And when I spend time in worship and I spend time with the Lord and I spend time praising Him for who He is, all of a sudden my problems get small and God gets big. 
You say, why did you just do that? Because sometimes the only way we can learn for me is to practically see it played out. Everybody with me? That's just the way I learned, so I figured maybe someone else uh, needed to see a visual example of that as well. Isaiah 26.3. Isaiah 26.3 says, Perfect peace have they whose mind is stayed on thee. You say, oh preacher, I came to church tonight and I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that. Well, you just told on yourself. You just told us where your mind was at and where it wasn't at all day long. Perfect peace have they whose mind is stayed on thee. Corey Ten Boom said, look around and be, de- and be distressed. Look within and be depressed. But look at Jesus and be at rest. The first step in praying to overcome your worries, first of all, is to simply spend time worshiping God. But notice number two. He doesn't say just praying, but then he moves on to pleading. To pleading. Notice he goes on to say in verse number six, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication. You say, what's supplication? That means an earnest sharing of our needs and problems. In other words, this is not half-hearted prayer. This is not casual prayer. This is not flippant prayer. This is serious prayer. In fact, uh, I don't, I'm not sure there's an example of a half-hearted prayer in the Word of God. And after you spent some time worshiping and just getting your focus back on God, at that point, uh, you need to transition into a time of pleading. And whatever you're worried about, you need to get real specific and lay it out before the Lord. In fact, the Bible goes on to define what supplication is in the rest of verse number 6. He says, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. That's what supplication is. And so at that point, you need to lay out whatever it is that you're worried about, whatever it is that's keeping you up at night, whatever it is that's that's eating away at you. At that point, you need to lay it out before God. In other words, you need to get real specific in your prayer life. Quit praying general prayers. Well, Lord, bless my family. What does that look like? Well, Lord, bless the revival service tonight. What does that look like? You know why some of you never receive you, you, you never receive any answers to prayer because you pray too general. You don't know whether it answered or not. Are you with me? You want to know whether or not God answered that prayer? Get specific. Get specific about that wayward child of yours. Get specific about that itch, issue at work. Get specific about the financial need that you have. Get specific. I'm just trying to help somebody tonight. Number one, he's saying we got to start by praying. We spent by worshiping. And then he says we got to spend some time pleading. And then he says, lastly, we need to spend some time praising. Spend some time praising. You say, what do you mean? Look in verse 6 again. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. You say, what's the thanksgiving all about? Listen to the words of J. Dwight Pentecost. He said it this way. He said, Thanksgiving looks back to previous answers to prayer and give thanks because God has worked in similar situations before. If there is something that is a burden to me today, I can go to God and remind Him that yesterday or last week or last month I was in the same situation with the same gnawing anxiety and I asked Him to do something and He did it so I can thank Him for what He has done. 
Confidence for the future is based on what God has done in the past. If I go into the Word of God and find some saint of God had the same burden that I bear today and God met their need, I can thank God that He met the needs of whoever it may be and now I can expect God to do the same for me. Too many people, uh, to, to, to many people, this seems bold. Of course God worked for Moses and David and Paul, they say. Well, why shouldn't He? Look who they were. Do you realize that you have just as much claim on God as Moses? or David or Paul or any of the saints had, God promised to you, uh, promises to you uh, as it was to them. And what he did for them, he will do for you. That is what Paul is trying to share with us. We must take a place of utter dependence, present a specific need, give thanks for fulfillment of similar promises, and then present our request to God. God uh, God's command is do not worry. The solution, commit your way to the Lord, trust in the Lord. The means by which we do it, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. One of the best things you can do when you're worried about a situation is just to stop and have a thanksgiving service. Uh, boy, back in August, we were finishing up the tail end of our that season of our life, and at the very end of August, we went back to candidate at the church. And uh, I just believe that we were at the tail end. This is the final season of this chapter of evangelism uh, that we were in. And so we, we made a trip all the way up to the northwest. And uh, we were going to hit Washington and Oregon and, and, and Idaho. We had, the Lord gave us meetings up there, and it was worth driving out there for. And we were going to finish out the last 48 states. And so this is just the one last hoorah and this is going to be over with and we can finally settle down well sure enough we got to Washington and it started making our way up the mountain and all of a sudden the check engine light came on it started shifting funny I pulled over transmission was shot and as we stood there I thought are you serious here we are at the tail end of this journey all I want to do is finish up these meetings and get back home and the transmission is shot and can I tell you, as we sat on the side of the road, I'm talking about as far away from home as we could be, and as we sat on the side of the road for three hours waiting on that tow truck to get there, you know what I did? Was I tempted to worry? Yes. Was I tempted to pull my hair out? Yes. But I said, no, Lord, I've got to practice what I preach. And I pulled my phone out, and I sat there in the driver's seat, and I pulled up my Bible app, and I opened up Philippians chapter 4, verses number 6 and 7, and I began to read those, and I began to pray my way through those, and I said, Lord, this is not the first time I've been here. Lord, I think back to our second year evangelism. I was down in South Louisiana, and the transmission went out that time. And Lord, I thank you for how you provided then. I thank you how you worked in that situation. I thank you how you orchestrated every detail of that situation and you provided for every dime of that first transmission. And so, Lord, I don't know exactly how you're going to do it this time, but, Lord, I trust that you're going to do it. And, boys, I sat there and thanked him for what he did in the past. It gave me confidence for the situation I was facing in the present. Are you with me? One of the best things you can do when you're when in a time of worry is to stop and have a thanksgiving service and say, God, thank you for what you did to the past. That gives me confidence for what I'm facing in the future. I'm trying to be as real and as transparent as I can be tonight. 
G. Campbell Morgan, the great preacher a century ago, in fact, I bought one of his books today, amen, uh, once gave a compelling sermon about how believers are to bring every request before God. After the service, an elderly woman walked up to him and said, Dr. Morgan, should I really bring every request to God? Doesn't he have so much more to be concerned about than my little request? G. Campbell Morgan looked at the lady and with a gleam in his eyes said, Madam, can you conceive of anything that's not small to God? Listen to me, it may be big to you, but it's not big to him. It's all small to him. And just in a moment, he can turn that situation around. He can provide what you need. He can enable you to get through it. A God can take care of you. Number one, when you and I find ourselves worrying, number one, cease. Number two, come. And then number three, here's the third one I want to leave you with, calm. Come or cease, come, and then calm. Notice verse number 7, and the peace of God. Now let's drop back to verse number, number 6 again. The Bible says, let your request be made known unto God. And verse number 7 says, and God shall fulfill all of your requests. That's not what mine says. Now, uh, in other words, God, God didn't promise to provide for that financial need. God, God didn't promise that He would straighten that situation out. God didn't promise He'd intervene with that situation at work. Are you with me? In verse 7, He didn't promise that. Now, He's got a good track, track record, hasn't He? And many times we've seen him all over. We've seen him work in those situations and provide and fix and so We've seen him work in those situations before, but verse number seven does not promise that. But notice what he does promise in verse seven. He says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. After you spend time doing what verse number 6 says, then you can experience what verse number 7 says. God never promises to fulfill all of your requests, but He does promise to give you His peace. In fact, it's a peace that, that, that passes all understanding. That means that when you're experiencing the peace of God and your entire world is falling down around you and, and your co-workers say, how in the world are you still standing? How, how are you not falling apart? How are you not just an absolute emotional wreck right now? You just say, it's just the peace of God. I don't understand it. I can't put my mind around it. I can't comprehend it. But just because I can't comprehend it doesn't mean I can't experience it. And the peace of God shall keep. That has the idea of being a guard, like a garrison, like a Roman soldier. Would guard the city or would guard a soldier. God's peace is going to guard our minds so that the, the worries and anxieties and fears cannot enter into our hearts and into our minds. And the peace of God shall uh, keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Here's what I'm saying tonight. God doesn't always calm the storm but he will calm the servants. God calms the servant, but he doesn't always calm the storm. I love what J. Vernon McGee said about this passage. Amen. He said, notice that we enter this passage in anxiety with worry, and we came out of the passage with peace. Between the two was prayer. In other words, the bridge between panic and peace is prayer. 
Tonight, if you're in a storm and, and your world is falling apart and you're getting your teeth kicked out by some situation in life and, uh, and uh, you are just an absolute nervous wreck, that's where some of you are tonight. And you're worried and you're anxious and you're popping pills just to get to sleep at night. You're a mess. Some of you are here tonight. Others of you over here. And boy, you got situations that are going on that are just raging, and the storm is blowing, and the waves are crashing. You are in the midst of a storm tonight, but somehow, in the midst of the storm, there's a peace. If you're experiencing peace in the midst of your storm today, there's only one way that you got here. You got here through prayer. There's a great example here. I'll close with this in Daniel chapter 6. You don't have to turn there, but you know the story of Daniel. And the Bible says in verse number, uh, Daniel 6 verse 10, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, what writing? The law that no one could pray for 30 days. If they were caught praying, they'd be thrown into the den of lions. And when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his, his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a, a fourth time. In other words, he disregarded the law and he kept on praying. He kept his spiritual commitments. But the Bible says in verse 11, then, the, then these men assembled and found Daniel, and notice these next three words, uh, praying or four or five, uh, praying and making supplication. Boy, those, that sounds familiar. Praying and making supplication before his God. Well, you know the rest of the story. They found Daniel, and they cast him into the lion's den. And I imagine most people that were thrown into the lion's den, they never even reached the bottom. Would you agree with that? I mean, them lions snatched them up. But that didn't happen with Daniel. In fact, I believe Daniel... I got to the bottom there, and I believe he just cozy right up to one of them big old, big old, big old lions and had a peaceful night's sleep. And he believes that, and that's not Bible, but I, I, I tend to believe that. But notice what the Bible says about the king's sleep that night. This is the man who is responsible uh, for signing the law, uh, which caused Daniel to be cast into the den of lions. Notice what the Bible says about his sleep that night. The Bible says in verse number 18 of chapter 6 of Daniel, Then the king went to his palace, his comfortable, his plush palace. And it goes on to say, and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Boy, he couldn't get to sleep that night. Let me tell you something. You can buy sleep from the drugstore, but you can't buy rest. Well, I love the old song that we sing, the hymn, one of my favorite hymns. And I'll close with this. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Tonight, if you, do, if you are not experiencing the peace of God, listen to me, I'm not trying to be unkind, but it's your fault. Tonight, if I'm not experiencing the peace of God, it's my fault. God invites us in, in Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7 to bring our cares to Him, our worries to Him, and we will ex He will exchange those worries for His peace. 
You and I can experience the peace of God tonight. So let me ask you, do you need to chill out? You and I can experience the peace of God tonight. Father, we love you tonight. And Lord, a little bit different of a message for revival. And some would say, I'm not sure that's a revival passage, or I'm not sure that's a revival message. But Father, revival is returning back to normal. Lord, it's not normal for a Christian to live their life in constant worry and anxiety and to live a miserable existence. Lord, you have a better way for us to live. And one of the privileges of being a child of God is that we can come and cast our cares upon you because you care for us. You said in the book of Psalms, cast thy burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. And so, Father, you invite us to bring our cares uh, to you in prayer. And when we do, you promise that you will give us your peace. If you're here tonight and say, Preacher, would you pray for me? There's some cares and some anxieties and some burdens on my heart. And tonight I realize that according to the Word of God, I need to stop carrying those. I need to quit holding on to those. I need to cast those at the feet of Jesus tonight. I'm ready to exchange my worries for His peace. That's you tonight. Would you raise your hand? Anyone like that at all? Anyone like that at all? Yes, yes, yes. Can I say there's a difference between having the peace of God and having peace with God. Peace with God is salvation. In fact, the word peace in the Bible means that the war is over. Friend, when you come to Jesus Christ and you receive him into your heart and life, you have peace with God. When you trust him and confess that you're a sinner, and by faith put your a dependence upon him, and you invite him into, heart, into your heart and life, at that moment you get saved, and you have peace with God. You're no longer the enemy of God. You're no longer a child of the devil. You become a child of God. You have peace with God. And once you have peace with God, then you can experience the peace of God. Well, the old, the old line in the song says, Are you troubled at the thought of dying? Some of you tonight, the greatest fear, the greatest worry that you have is where you'll spend eternity when you die. Some of you lay in bed and wonder, if I died tonight, where will I go? Where will my soul spend eternity? You say, preacher, that's me. I'm worried about where I'll go when I die. I'm worried that my sins have not been forgiven. I'm worried that I do not have eternal life. I'm worried about my relationship with God, my standing before Him. If you're here tonight and say, Preacher, that's me. In fact, not just tonight, but in the days and the weeks leading up to this meeting, I have been worried about my salvation. Let me tell you something. It is not a, it's not an accident that you're here tonight. Preacher, I'm worried about my salvation. Would you please pray for me tonight? If that's you, would you lift up your hand? Anyone like that at all? Preacher, I'm worried tonight. I'm worried about where I'll spend eternity. I see that hand. Anybody else? Preacher, pray for me. Preacher, pray for me. There's a giant question mark in my heart and mind tonight. I don't know where I'll spend eternity when I die. Anyone like that at all? Anybody else? Preacher, pray for me. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to say amen, and then we're going to stand to our feet tonight. And when the invitation begins, if you raised your hand and say, I need to exchange my worries for his peace, then won't you come and give it to the Lord? Won't you come and say, Lord, as of tonight, I'm going to give this to you. 
Whatever happens with it, it's not my responsibility anymore. It's your responsibility. I'm casting my care upon you. Would you do that tonight? If you're here tonight and say, Preacher, I'm worried about my soul. I'm worried about my salvation. I don't know where I'm going to go when I die. Then we're going to invite you to step out of your seat. No one's going to force you. No one's going to come to you. This is your own, uh, just an opportunity. But if you would like, if you would step out of your seat, walk right here to the front. Uh, the pastor will be waiting. Pastor Joe will be waiting. We'll put a man with a man, a woman with a woman. And we'll show you from the Word of God how you can make peace with God tonight so that you can experience the peace of God tonight. Lord, help us tonight to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet tonight.